You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to your Valentine's Views podcast for Friday, January 13th. And uh, we are once again looking at a Giants-Vikings matchup. Seems like we just did this a couple of weeks ago when these two teams played on Christmas Eve. But we're here with Giants-Vikings in the wild card round of the 2023 NFC playoffs. And here once again to uh, to help us talk about uh, about Giants-Vikings is Chris Gates of SB Nation's Daily Norseman. Chris, so uh, welcome back. Happy to be here, Ed. Glad you uh, glad you asked me to come back for another go around. So here we go again, and I I I got to start with this. I got to go back to Christmas Eve. <laughs> Did you think Greg Joseph had had enough leg to make that kick? Absolutely not. I didn't think he was even going to come. <laughs> I, when I saw when I heard or when I heard the announcer saying, "Oh, the Giants are running somebody back there to stand underneath the goalpost," the first thing I thought was. You know, Joseph's going to kick this one. Is going to go about sixty yards instead of sixty-one, and whoever it is from the Giants is going to uh, to grab it and run it all the way back the other way for a score. Because I, <laughs> we've seen that happen before to the Vikings. So no, I I didn't think he was going to make it from sixty-one. I was absolutely stunned when it went through because you know his career long before that was fifty-six, and I don't think anybody thought he had sixty-one in him, but he managed. Yes, he did. You know, I. I don't have the answer to this, and it has nothing to do with the actual result of the game, but do you know, say, for example, that that kick, that a kick like that, you've got Julian Love for the Giants back to uh, back to return that kick. If that kick is right borderline edge of the crossbar, can can a defender reach up and grab that before it goes over the crossbar? Yeah. I I think there's actually a rule that says they can't. That's some kind of interference or something like that. I'm not 100%. I don't know if it's like goaltending in the NBA where, you know, if the ball's on the way down and you swat at it, it's goaltending or whatever. But I, I think there's a rule somewhere in the rule book that says, you know, if the ball is coming down toward the crossbar, you can't, like, knock can't it block out of there. It, I, don't, you, I don't think you can't, no. You, you can't you can, goaltend it. Yeah, I, I think you can field it like we've seen a lot of guys do before, but no, I don't think you can jump mm -hmm. up and try to knock it away from the crossbar or anything like that. But I'm, I'm not 100% sure on that, but I think there's a rule somewhere that says you can't do that. Those are some of the craziest plays, though, when you see those long field goals get returned because yeah. you don't have coverage units out there. For no. the kicking team, you have a bunch of big old burly linemen out there who, who don't run well <laughs> so it's yeah. always crazy and we we saw that uh yeah the first time i remember seeing it is uh the game that adrian peterson actually set the single game rushing record back in 07 when the vikings were playing the chargers 
the Vikings had, I think it was Ryan Longwell come in and try like a 58 yard field goal or something like that at the end of the first half. And, you know, like the Giants did the other or a few weeks ago, the, uh, the Chargers sent Antonio Cromartie back there to stand underneath the goalposts. And, you know, if it was short, he could take it, run it back. And yeah, it was 109 yards. And that was the, yeah, he, he took it into the end zone right there at the half. And it was, it was crazy to watch. I didn't even know you could do that then, but I, I certainly know you can do it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, you know, that is three times now in the last decade that the Giants have lost games on 60 plus yard field goals at the end of games. So th- I think all, all Giants fans are, are simply hoping that that Sunday evening does not come down to a 60 plus yard kick again. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if that's the way it's going to work for the Giants, I kind of hope it does. But, you know, that, I, I'm biased. <laughs> But you know, I, I can understand where you're coming from. Sure. So, are you surprised at all? You know, I, I looked at these two teams Christmas Eve, and they looked fairly evenly matched. I mean, that was a that was a good back and forth game. Are you surprised at all to uh, to see this as a wild card rematch? No, I mean, I, I think everyone kind of anticipated that the Vikings were going to somehow fall out of that two spot in the NFC. And, you know, with the way the NFC East has gone, you know, Philadelphia and Dallas kind of distanced themselves from everyone else. And, you know, like, like we saw this last week with the Giants, they didn't have anything to play for on on Sunday. They weren't moving up to five. They weren't falling down to seven. They were locked into their spots. So, yeah, once uh, once the Vikings uh, lost to Green Bay to uh, to fall into the number three spot, I think this is pretty much the matchup everyone expected because the, the Niners weren't going to lose to Arizona and let Minnesota back into number two. So yeah, I, I, I'm not really surprised to see this at all, to be honest. How do you feel about the way that the Vikings have played since that giants game? I know there was, there was the loss to, to green Bay that you, that you referenced. So I'm just curious how you feel about, uh, about where they are, uh, you know, coming into the playoffs. I mean, they've, they've, you know, had close games all year. Like we said uh, previously, they're now, uh, 11 and 0 in games that are decided by one score. Only two of their wins were uh, were multiple score victories. Conveniently enough, in uh, week one and week 18, kind of bookend things a little bit. But uh, you know, this this team is one of those teams that just believes that uh, you know they can execute uh, when they need it the most, and that's kind of what they've done most of the season. Because you look at their point differentials for the first three quarters, and other teams have outscored the Vikings. Uh, in every in the first, second, and third quarters this year, but once you get to the fourth quarter, uh, I believe the Vikings have the biggest uh, positive point differential in the NFL. Once you're looking at the fourth quarter and overtime, so uh, this is this is a team you know that has kind of tested itself, and you know when you get to the postseason, everyone's good. You're not going to see a lot of blowouts generally, at least I hope not. But uh, yeah, th- this is a team that has a. Uh, that has fought all season, and now they're uh, they're the champions of their division and hosting a uh, playoff game. And looking ahead to this, well, actually, let's look back at at the uh, at the Christmas Eve game first. What uh, what would you say that that you really learned about the Giants uh, in that particular game? Uh, I learned that that Daniel Jones basically isn't a punchline anymore like he was for the first couple of years he was in the league. I mean, I don't know if it's all Brian Dable's influence. I mean, that's got to be a huge part of it, but 
he's taken such a significant leap this season. I'm sure the Giants might be regretting not picking up that fifth year option now after he's uh, after he's had the kind of season he has. But you know, I mean, people when people talk about you know upper echelon NFL quarterbacks, kind of like what we've seen with Kirk Cousins, uh, Daniel Jones isn't one of the names they they immediately comes to the surface. But you know, he he's a lot better than I think a lot of Vikings fans thought he was and he's uh i said from the first three years of his career this year he's made a significant jump even with you know a bunch of guys that probably nobody outside of new york can name catching passes for him i mean i don't know what happened to kenny galladay we watched that guy kill us for two or three seasons and he goes to new york and disappears but you've got guys like uh isaiah hodgins and richie james and you know those sorts of guys And, and daniel jones is getting the job done with kind of you know, not marquee talented wide receivers. So he, he's probably the most impressive thing and probably the uh, the thing that a lot of Vikings fans learned uh, the first time these two teams played is that he's a quality quarterback now. You know, it's interesting. Dan Orlovsky of, of ESPN did his playoff quarterback confidence rankings. <laughs> and I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw those and, mm-hmm. and, and let's be Let's be real. You probably shouldn't put a whole lot of stock into those, but I'm just wondering how Vikings fans took those because when you look at those, we talk about Daniel Jones, and I think Orlovsky had Jones at nine, but he had Kirk Cousins at eleven, mm-hmm. and and I'm just curious if if Vikings fans are a little bit insulted by that. I mean. At, at this point, I think a lot of the Cousins' criticism just sort of bounces off Vikings fans because we've heard all of it for the last five years. I mean, can't win on the road, can't win in prime time, can't do this, can't do that. And, you know, then he goes out and does those things and people just kind of ignore it and continue saying that he can't do it. You know, I mean, he's, you know, he's his numbers this year have not been as good as the last couple of seasons. But, you know, the team won 13 games this year and he's a. Uh, He's adopting to uh, Kevin O'Connell's offense and, you know, O'Connell is asking him to be a little bit more aggressive. So, you know, you turn the ball over a little more frequently when that happens. And, you know, he's, he's a better quarterback than a lot of people want to give him credit for. And I think people like uh, Orlovsky just kind of hold on to some of those old uh, narratives a little bit too long because, you know, we've seen the guy win in the playoffs. We've seen him win on the road. We've seen him win primetime games and this, that, and the other, but you know, Until until this team makes a significant run, I think those things are probably just going to continue. So hopefully that'll happen this season and some of that stuff can finally go by the wayside. You're probably right about that. I think that what happens is people attach themselves to a narrative and whatever that narrative is, the, the facts don't get in the way of the narrative or what you mm-hmm. see doesn't get in the way of the narrative or you just or you just write that off as an exception to the rule and you keep the narrative in place. And I, I think some of that applies to Daniel Jones as well, because all season long, people have held on to the Daniel Jones is a turnover machine narrative, mm-hmm. which really has not been applicable or has not been correct since his rookie season. Yeah. And, and, and I'm sure that if Daniel Jones goes out there on – Sunday and has a game where he has a key fumble or he throws a couple of interceptions. That will be the narrative again. Daniel Jones is a turnover machine, which completely ignores the fact that 
that he, for example, has fumbled the ball fewer times this year than he ever has in his career. Mm-hmm. And his interception percentage is lowest among all NFL quarterbacks this year. So narratives are what they are, but but facts and narratives don't always uh, don't always go together. No, and I mean you see everyone rightly is, you know, fawning over Justin Jefferson and all these records he's setting and everything he's been doing over the first three years of his career. Uh, with the exception of one game, Kirk Cousins has been the guy throwing him the ball in every NFL game that he's ever played. So, I mean, he's, he's setting these records. I mean, he's not throwing the ball to himself. Somebody's making sure it's in the right spot and at the right time and everything else. And, you know, I don't know if Cousins gets the credit for that, that he should. Obviously, Jefferson is outstanding. But, you know, the, the wide receiver position is kind of dependent on how your quarterback performs. And, you know, Cousins has put him in position to uh, set all these records and get all these accolades and what have you. So it, it really – the media tries to have it both ways, I think. And, you know, I, I don't understand it, but that's just me. <laughs> Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. In thinking about Sunday's matchup, you know, from a Giants perspective, we think about the missed opportunities. We think about two fumble, well, a fumble and an interception in scoring territory that took away, probably took away at least six points, might have taken away an opportunity to score at least to score 14 points. We think about the fact that that I think Minnesota had only two penalties in that game and the Giants had seven. So, you know, more penalties at bad times that backed the Giants up. We think about, you know, on the final drive by Minnesota, you know, failing to stop a, a third and nine and then giving up 17 yards on a screen pass, you know, right before the, the kick. So we, we think about the missed opportunities for the Giants, but I'm guessing that that when you look at it from a Minnesota perspective, that you might also look at it and think there's still some meat on the bone here. There's some things we didn't take advantage of, or maybe some things that, that we learned, you know, that, that the Vikings could do. So I'm just curious if, if there are things that, that you see that, that the Vikings could take advantage of on Sunday. I mean, it, it kind of depends on the Giants personnel. I know in the first game, I, I know they didn't have Adoree Jackson back in the secondary, and I know I'm pretty sure they didn't have Xavier McKinney back there either. Uh, those are 
uh, things that the Vikings took advantage of last time. I don't know if they're going to be able to take advantage this time because it sounds like they're both on track to play again this week, and that's going to that's going to give the Giants a bit of an advantage. Um, you know, the Vikings really haven't run the football well all year, and I don't have the uh, the stats in front of me that say how the, uh, the the Giants are defending the run and whatnot. But you know, the, there's got to be some opportunities for that there because you know with with what's going on with the Vikings' offensive line. Uh, the Vikings need to try to do things to try to keep the heat off of Kirk Cousins because it's going to be a lot more difficult uh, to do that this time around, I think. So they, they need to find ways to get Dalvin Cook and or Alexander Madison going on the ground to try to balance things out a little bit. And I'd like to think they're going to make an effort to do that this time around, but we'll see if it actually works or not. Yeah, and Chris, that's interesting You know that you mentioned the offensive line issues because I wanted to ask you about that. If you could, I know what those issues appear to be at this point, but if you could just sort of explain to folks what the situation is with the Minnesota offensive line. I know you've got issues at tackle and you've got issues at center. Yeah, so the first time the Vikings and Giants played, uh, Garrett Bradbury was not the starter at center. Uh, Austin Schlopman uh, started that game at center for the Vikings. Uh, and then in... The next week against Green Bay, uh, Schlopman broke his leg, so he's out for the season. Where We were down to our uh, third-string center for the rest of the Green Bay game and the Chicago game. Uh, it sounds like Bradbury might be on track to play this week. He missed the last five games of the back issue, uh, but he was a full participant in practice on Thursday, so hopefully he's tracking the right direction. Uh, the one I think people are really worried about is uh, right tackle where Brian O'Neill suffered a partially torn Achilles against Green Bay, trying to uh, chase down a pick six. So his season's over and done with. Uh, we're starting uh, Ole Udo over at right tackle, who is all right, but uh, O'Neill has really blossomed into one of the best right tackles in the league uh, over the course of the last couple of years. So his absence is going to be huge. And uh, we, we might be getting uh, Blake Brando back as well. He was the swing tackle, uh, stepped in for Christian Darasaw for uh, three games while Darasaw had concussion issues, uh, started at left tackle and played all right. And he might be able to uh, to step in at right tackle this time as well. I'm interested to see whether they uh, start Udo or Brandel at right tackle this time around. So, but yeah, the, those are the issues the Vikings have been having up front. We're all hoping Bradbury can play because, you know, he, he's kind of like Daniel Jones. The, the Vikings didn't bother to pick up his fifth year option because he hadn't really shown much uh, over the first three years. And, now with the new regime in charge, he's had the best season of his career. So uh, we're hoping he can come back. And if he does, that would be a huge boost for us. Yeah, I I don't think the Vikings would feel really good about going into the game with a third-string center lined up against Dexter Lawrence. Yeah, so. I know. I sure wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I found it interesting that the, uh, the NFLPA – the players all pro team, mm -hmm. which, you know, I talked to a couple guys in the giants locker room the other day and, and, and they're excited about that. And Dexter Lawrence was named an all pro on that team. So, which tells you that his peers, mm -hmm. you know, recognize the kind of year that he's had. So I really don't think you want to go up against the, go up against him with a, with a third team center. That would not, mm -hmm. that would not bode well. No, absolutely not. Like we said, uh, and back issues are tricky. I mean, anyone that's, you know, old enough to have back issues know how tricky back issues are. And, you know, he he had, he was out for a couple of weeks with a back injury. And then 
Uh, he said he was driving home from the uh, the Colts game, and uh, he was in a minor car accident, which made which he said tweaked the back injury, which is why he missed the last five games uh, of the regular season. That's but, probably uh, more than a tweak. I, I would imagine so, but uh, yeah, he. He was limited on Wednesday, and they upgraded him to a full participant on Thursday in practice. So, like I said, it looks like he's trending the right direction to uh, to be out there on Sunday. So, are there any other injuries, any other personnel issues, um, you know, guys coming back, guys who are maybe getting healthier, anything else that, that we should be aware of, uh, you know, heading into Sunday? I mean, not that I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, Harrison Smith. Uh, Harrison Smith participated in practice all week before the Chicago game. And then like the day before the Chicago game, they downgraded him to out. Uh, I don't know how much he was going to play, but now he's, uh, he's limited with a knee issue. Uh, obviously he's getting up there in years. This is like his 10th or 11th season. So he's not quite the, the all pro Harrison Smith that he used to be, but he would still be a pretty significant loss uh, if he can't go on Sunday. But other than that, I think that's pretty much the big one. For, uh, for the Vikings, the offensive line, and uh, Harrison Smith potentially being out. All right, so so let's get down to brass tacks. Obviously, at, at Big Blue View, <laughs> you know we we do our our weekly staff picks, and it made me nervous to be honest with you that every single Big Blue View staff member who who made a pick this week, every single one of them picked the Giants to pull the upset. <laughs> All right, and you know, um, you know, there has to be a little bit of homerism in every single one of us making that pick. I mean, I can look at that game and I can make an argument that it's going to be a close game, should be a close game based on what we saw before, you know, based on what we know about both teams and, and how they've played, and that it that there's a really good chance that it comes down to you know, to, to one mistake or one or two key plays in the last five or six minutes of the game. And, you know, and, and who knows which way, which way it turns out if, if that's the situation. I'm just curious, you know, how you see the game and, and how you would predict it. I mean, yeah, we're, we're kind of the same way. I just pulled up our, uh, our staff picks for this week as well. And, uh, you know, we've got six people that make our picks every week and we have one, uh, one straggler right now, but the, uh, the five people that have made their picks, uh, we're all picking Minnesota. So we're kind of, we're, we're kind mm-hmm. of looking at the same sort of thing as, uh, as you folks are, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think you should expect anything but a close game between these two teams. The, the, the giants have played in almost as many, you know, one score games. As the Vikings have, uh, I, I wouldn't expect either team to go blowing anyone out in this one. Uh, and it's just going to come down to, you know, who makes the, uh, the crucial mistake or who makes the big play at the big moment. And I wouldn't be surprised if it came down to a last second field goal or something like that again, but you know, the, the spread on this one is three points, you know, that that's generally what they give the home team in situations like this. So uh, the super smart football people, I guess, view this as a relatively even matchup. So yeah, I, I expect it to be uh, kind of nip and tuck all the way toward the end of the game. And we'll, uh, we'll see who makes the big player, the big mistake from there. Well, you know, I have to say this. I, I mentioned earlier that three times in the last decade, the Giants have lost on 60-plus yard field goals. One of those 60-plus yard field goals came off the foot of Graham Gano, who's now the Giants' place kicker when Gano was in Carolina. So, 
So Graham Gano owes the Giants one. <laughs> he owes the Giants one. Actually, it's funny because the Giants special teams coordinator was asked if if Gano still had that 61, 62, 63-yard range. And he said, well, he's not 25 anymore. <laughs> you know, he is 37. But, uh, you know, but, but I think he's – the, I think the only the only 50 plus yard kick he's missed all year was a 58 yard kick in bitter cold weather into the wind when they all knew he wasn't going to make it, but it was the last <laughs> play and they had to try it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so I, mean, I can't believe that Graham Gano is 37 years old. That dude's been in the league forever, hasn't he? Jeez. Yeah, he's yeah he and he's and he's an outstanding kicker. He's he is an dope. outstanding yeah. kicker. But uh, I, I do, I, I do, I, I'm, I fully would trust him out to 56, 57 yards in that dome. I would mm-hmm. trust him. I would probably trust him all the way out to about 60, but I'm not sure I'm going to trust him beyond, you know, beyond, you know, like 59, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to trust him once you get past 60. <laughs> no, I, and I'm, I think a lot of us were surprised that, you know, when we got to, you know, midfield or whatever, I think everyone just assumed it was Hail Mary time. And then the next thing you know, Kevin O'Connell sending Greg Joseph out there and everyone's just like, all right. I mean, it's tied as, as long as you don't get the situation like we talked about earlier where, you know, mm-hmm. you miss the field goal short and some guy takes it and you got a bunch of big old offensive linemen trying to chase down a, a speed guy running the other way. <laughs> and it, that, that doesn't work. So, but you know, that, he did what he wanted to do and it, this time it works. So we'll, yep. we'll see if it uh, comes down to that again. Well, should be fun, Chris. Thank you very, very much for, for joining me again. Giants fans, uh, check out daily Norseman. If you want the, uh, the, the Minnesota perspective on Sunday's game. And, uh, as always stay safe out there, take care of each other and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash VIYA.